This is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and you might as well be naked. Listen up, mortal. If you've desperately explored the web for vampire-themed clothing, but everything was either cheesy, sparkly, poor quality, or cost an arm and a leg, then sink your teeth into Just Bloody Driven. Just Bloody Driven is a graphic design coterie that provides exactly what you've been missing in vampire-themed apparel. They offer brand-name t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, and hoodies to the U.S., U.K., and Germany. Their convenient Amazon shop handles orders, printing, shipping, and and returns. They also do bulk order discounts and custom design crafting for your shop or gaming community. Don't settle for dull, lifeless garb that drains your pocketbook. Check out Just Bloody Driven on Facebook or search for them at Amazon.com. That's Just Bloody Driven at Facebook or Amazon.com. Our efforts are focused and brutal. Calculating. This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to the Dark Ages. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I am Bob. And, uh... You know, this podcasting thing, it's all about experimenting and trying to figure out what works best and how to make things work properly. And that's what we're doing. So we're giving you a little bit of insight into our process um, because we are in different locations. And uh, I think, Bob, you would agree, right? We're always striving to, like, give the best in- best possible quality. Always improve. Yeah. You yeah. can never be perfect. But perfect practice until makes perfect attempts until Bob and I are back together in the same geographic location and we can sit at the same table. We're, we're trying to make the best of a, of a of distance and everybody, I think, uh, goes through that. So anyways, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Bob, for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. In fact, if you weren't here, I wouldn't do this podcast. So. Uh, I, I want to, I want to mention one thing and then I want to read a comment we got. It's pretty cool. Um, so we, we got a comment. Okay. Number one, uh, we don't use Podbean. I don't know if you knew this, Bob, but, um, basically how podcasting works is, uh, aggregators, uh, RSS feeds kind of just search the web for RSS feeds, which is what a podcast is typically on. And it just, you can so basically you can use any kind of like RSS feed or podcast program to listen to any podcast you want. Well, some of them require you to like log in, but also some of them you can log in and host on. One of those is Podbean. So forever when people are using Podbean and they leave comments on Podbean, we don't use it. So I don't ever know who they are. Oh man. It's just Podbean will send us an email. And just be like, hey, you got a comment and it'll have like a picture or somebody's face and it'll have a comment. Well, so I don't know if you knew this or not, maybe very revealing this week, but uh, sometimes I, I, I'm i a little uh, forgetful, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, some Sometimes things escape me. Uh, very simple things you'd think that would be like super easy for you to get, you know, like for instance, when you've been podcasting since 2015. Usually you hit the record button, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a thing. That was a thing that happened this week. Also, last week we did a podcast about the Facebook, the Dark Ages core book, right? Cool. Great podcast. No issues. Yep. 
and uh, I, I made a comment about how um, there was a rule in, about the abilities um, that I found interesting because I hadn't seen it before, right? Do you remember the the, the rule? I, I do. When you were talking about not having knowledge, you can't roll, you know, increase difficulty. Right, for right. Yeah. So, so um, you know, there's there's a specific rule. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, a player might miss that because it's kind of like it's buried in the byline, right? Um, and so we got a comment from someone who I, I'm not sure who sent it, but because it was on Podbean. But they were like, that's in every version of the game. And I was like, no. Right. And so I got up and I, I ran upstairs and I got every base book and I read the same rule in every version of the game. So <laughs> basically what I'm trying to say is somehow I missed that rule after reading five different versions of the game. And <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's that's the thing that I missed. I do get it. And normally we would uh, defend it to the hill. But there's no, there's no need. No, no, absolutely. Right. But, but it yeah, is what it is. I just want to let you know, person that left the comment. Yes, you're right. I missed that. Thank you. And uh, moving right along, let's let's read a good comment, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, so, uh, got an, uh, this actually came today, uh, and it's uh, from Mark. It says, "Hey guys, it's Mark from Las Vegas here. Longtime listener, second time emailer. Anyhow, just wanted to drop you a line again and say a few words." I never, uh, I've never given Vampire the Dark Ages much attention before, but listening to your initial Dark Ages episode has really piqued my curiosity. I get the impression that in a world absent of instantaneous communication and fast travel, you can really focus on your immediate locale and not have to worry how the events in the story fit or don't fit to an overreaching narrative or metaplot. Plus, the clan sounds different in the Dark Ages with a few that don't exist anymore uh, than they are in the modern Knights era, which I can imagine is a nice change of pace after playing exclusively in the current day. Uh, I'm looking forward to learning more as the series goes on. So then he, he ends with a question. Uh, say a guy was going to spend a few bucks and pick up a book from drive through to read up along with the Dark Ages stuff. Would you recommend the original release, Vampire the Dark Ages, the second revised one, Dark Ages Vampire, or the V20 Dark Ages? So I'll, uh, I'll levy that to you, Bob. Um, what do you think? I think you end up getting all three. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, we said that in that, in that cast for a reason. Right. And I still stand by it. Uh, they they cover different starts uh, in the past. They cover you think they cover the exact same uh, material, but the feel is different. Does right. that make sense? Right, right. Uh, I and I I kind of agree. I mean, personally, my opinion is uh, and has always been that when you get a when you start um, a new a new game, you typically want to. I think with like most games. I would always suggest going with what is most current first um, and then kind of working your way back um, because uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say why I think that specifically other than I feel like you want to start with the most current. So you know where you are and get an understanding and a feel for that and learn the, the, the setting properly. Plus like, I think you're going to have more resources, but the cool thing about dark ages is, um, more so than I think most of the other game books, uh, the stuff that you get seems to match with the setting, regardless of what version you're playing. So what I mean is 
a lot of times you might find like a revised book doesn't translate as well to V20 or a first ed book doesn't translate as well to revised because the rules are a little bit different with dark ages. I don't think you're really going to have that problem as much with my recommendation. Get them as we review them. We're going to get them all right. Right. So start with the original and then that gives you time to read it. See if you like it, how you like it. And then we get to the next one. You decide based off that review whether or not you want to get that next one and move forward. So that's, uh, I guess, our opinion um, about that. So let's get right into it, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Today is Storyteller's Secrets. The book of them. Yeah, the book of Storyteller's Secrets. And um, what, what is this book, Bob? I mean, obviously, it seems pretty telling in the name. You know, ironically... Um, it is a book of storyteller secrets. Not quite like you used to, though. I know in a in the past you would get a storyteller secret, and they would start telling you about all the uh, NPCs you didn't know about, cults, groups, evil powers, things like that. And there's a little flavor of it in here, but this primarily is focused on how the Dark Ages is dealing with uh, mortal uh, mortal life. Everyday life, points in history, what's going on in France, Germany, Italy, from the mortal perspective, and then they give you a canine perspective. And what's cool about that is that they don't stop there, right? You get that perspective, and then it's a day in the life, uh, another sort of a deep dive in what goes on for the average medieval experience. And then they start going over elements inevitable that you're going to run into, like does fantasy meld with real world? And how to handle that objection and uh, make it something more worthwhile. So obviously, you know, when I when I picked up this book, I was like, oh, man, this is probably going to have like some information about like the Bali and like some dark shit and like some evil stuff in here. Um, And, you know, like you said, it's not really that book. Um, the first thing and why I think this is invaluable, we had talked in the last podcast about kind of like, uh, having an innate knowledge of history, right. And how, like my first instinct as a player, um, looking to transition into storytelling was to run right out and read every history book under the, you know, under God's green earth, so to speak, to, to know everything about the history. And what I found was it was really uh, incredibly intimidating, right? What this book provides you with very much at the beginning is um, a lesson in the geography, right? And the focus is here, the dark medieval Europe, right? Um, And one thing that I learned, and I don't know if you knew this, I'm sure you did, but uh, like they talk about Rome and Rome is like, it's like, it's not a good place to be for vampires, right? It's, it's never been a good place for vampires, right? Right. And the reason being the assumption for vampires is that they ruled the world right when they're out there, but they found that Rome was on another level, Jack. They didn't, I mean, Rome wasn't daunted by shit, right? We're, <laughs> right. we're in charge. We're Rome. All of you will be Roman. And that is, that is it. And even, and, and think about the vampires were older than Rome. that were hearing this concept and they were like, where do we fall in this? And then, and it's like the venture who were like, we don't fall into this. We get behind this. Finally, it's mortals who understand how we feel. And they're like, why don't we rule them? Because enter emperor. Right. I mean, when you think about an emperor, you don't think of the, there's no way we can conceive of the apps. The closest we have to the emperor is the president of the United States, right? 
That's as close as we get as Americans, right? That's our emperor. But in reality, you know, damn emperor, not in the Roman sense. In the Roman sense, the emperor says something, the whole freaking everyone obeys what that is. There isn't a maybe, right? It's, it's done. And you move on. So you just can't conceive of what those vampires might have thought their power actually was, because in order to have power, they had to seduce and infiltrate to get that power, right? Can you imagine trying to convince Caligula of anything? Right. Well, and then in in the centuries since, uh, sort of the the classic Roman Empire, um, it's evolved into the Holy Roman Empire, and the Holy Roman Empire, for most of you are aware, like the Vatican, the Catholic Church, like their you know the faith that radiates from that area is immense, probably the greatest at this time in the known world, right outside of like maybe you know Israel. Um, Jerusalem specifically. Um, but they, they detail, you know, some of that, but the, one of the cool things that they do in here is they give you, they give you some, like a small blurb, like for instance, I'll just pick at random, the kingdom of Germany, right? They'll talk about what the political, what the is sort of like, what life or unlife is like at, uh, in that location. And then they'll also give you a small, you know, couple of uh, a brief summary about the Canaanites in that area, what uh, the politics is like, you know, for instance, um, like in the kingdom of Germany, the Ventru are, you know, a prominent power and a prominent factor there. So they'll talk to you a little bit about that and it'll go on. And and basically this first chapter here, it gives you an overview, a pretty, um, let's say an easy reference guide for you as a storyteller to kind of dig a little bit deeper, but it doesn't weigh you down. Right? No, it gives you a jumping point. You know, like you said, we dive in, here's the meat, but even for you, uh, historically minded, you're going to enjoy this too. Cause you get to fill in your details and knowledge without needing the degree. Or if you have the degree, great, have at it. But the, uh, thing I wanted to point out that actually, sh- I should have remembered, but I didn't until I read it in here and I liked, uh, was about the fact that when Rome split, it's the fall of Rome, Byzantine Empire, that's what becomes the Holy Roman Empire, and that's that's what you're dealing with there. And why that's such hotly contested um, politically here is because everybody knew the power of religion. And that's an overwhelming theme that's going on, because they go from, you know, any religion works in multicultural areas, right? Like we can have whatever we want to believe in because we're a state different from where you're at. Well, now you're seeing religious starting to dominate across no matter where you are. And of course, naturally this is the, the crusades, right? Get involved in this too, where it's religious conquest. You know, you're not our religion. You will be soon. And we'll see you in a minute. Right. Uh, one of the interesting things that uh, um, I'm, I'm reading about, you know, in this book is the area referenced uh, as here there be dragons. Obviously, there's like even even like in this area, there's some places that haven't quite been explored yet. Right. Right. We're talking about Denmark, Finland, th- that area at this time. It's it's brutal. Right. Right. Not brutal like you think their culture. I mean, know your, I mean to know your history a bit. They're just people. But there are people who realize one thing. The north wind is harsh. And like, we don't have much to grow out here. So what do we do? We're smart. We get in a boat and we go take it from elsewhere. 
So also uh, in this chapter, they're going to give us a, a little bit of information on on a concept that that we've kind of like we've delved into a little bit, um, and that's that realism versus the fantasy. Um, so one of the one of the things that they indicate on here, um, right in this chapter, and something that kind of stuck out to me, it says that you know Vampire of the Dark Ages is designed to be played in a realistic quote, realistic medieval world. Um, regional boundaries more or less reflect those of the Middle Ages. Um, and brigands and moors, not ogres and demons, are the most common threat. Um, and then uh, it says, that having been said, there's nothing wrong with running a more fantastic game. One bearing similarities to classic fantasy games such as Dungeons and Dragons or Warhammer fantasy roleplay. Once one accepts the ideas that blood-sucking corpses are running around in the streets of Paris, it's not a drastic leap to throw in magic swords, dragons, and quests. The, this ambience works well in games involving the Methuselahs, who are rather godlike anyways. And then, you know, it goes on to say that a third option is to mingle the two, right? And so me as a, as a player, um, you know, I've always, I've tried to stray away from like the overt, like heavy magic fantasy roleplay games. Like they just don't really appeal to me. However, um, I can say matter of factly, um, you know, magic on the scale of like a game of Thrones very much is appealing to me. And reading through this book and like getting a feel for the politics and how your cities are set up and and you know what life is like in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages here, very much I'm inspired in a Game of Thrones kind of sense. Well, I got to protect your neck here a little bit because Game of Thrones is basically Dungeons and Dragons, right? In a lot of ways, it's just told in a different way, right? Right? It's an example of less is more, right? Like we right. don't like it's it's there. And it's a deep dive, but we're not focused on that. We're over here now with the politics. Right, exactly. And, and that's the thing. Like for me, I don't mind um, like a dark fantasy setting as long as it's much more politically bent. You know, my, my thing that I've always had like a bit of an issue with, and I'll still play these types of games, is like the like high fantasy uber magic, you know, that kind of stuff. But to me, blending these, it's not a bad thing. You know, and, and you can really find like your tempo if that's what you're looking to do. The only thing I'd I'd say, and this is just me, my take on it is is that the real medieval stuff to go through and finding those folklore pieces, that's what I would it's my recommendation. If you know the folklore have a book or in a specific area, right. Definitely flesh that out. Because here's the trick. Any storyteller out there, that's how I look good most times. <laughs> Right. I'll go and look up the folklore for an area when I run a Dark Ages game, and I just tell it, right? I just straight, almost almost blatantly plagiarize. I just change names. Well, I mean, there's, look, let's, let's, let's be totally honest here for a moment while we're talking about this storyteller secret. Here's a storyteller secret for everyone. Uh, this is a game. Uh, so you can totally just bootleg anybody's idea because you're running a game for your friends, right? That's the beauty of it. If there's a story you want to run your your players through, your friends through, don't think you have to come up with some great grand original idea. You just have to come up with a fun idea. That's it. Like just stand in the shoulder of giants. Right. It this is one of the few places where plagiarism is totally acceptable. Now if you're writing a book, yeah, you can't plagiarize, right? But if you're running a game for your friends, it's not plagiarism, it's a game. 
I did. That's it. <laughs> right. So the, for the for the less educated folk like me, they give you a bunch of um, of valuable information. And how I look at stuff like this today, when I read a book like this, to me these are like um, these are like Google cues. What what do I mean by that? I mean, so I I don't know anything about the diseases in the dark medieval world. Um, but it says here that like leprosy and impetigo and pneumonia, it gives you a little bit of information and I go, Oh, I want to know more. Well, I can go Google that. <laughs> that's, that's basically what that says to me. It does. Cause it does feel this book was written to give you enough, right. right. To not overdo it and not miss the mark and to still hit what they were thinking of. Right. Exactly. So, um, that's basically the first chapter giving you a feel for, um, life in the dark ages geographically and also just overall what it's like to live in a city what it's like to you know what are some of the things that that uh, individuals in the dark ages might deal with and you know of course an idea of like the different classes and how there's that divide and then um moving on to the next chapter next chapter is pretty straight i mean this is where it tells you how to build a chronicle right almost a down down dirty and quick you know, the atmosphere you should have, the style of, uh, when I introduce to the game, um, themes, interjection, pretty standard stuff. Uh, but it's all redone to be the viewpoint of the dark ages you're trying to play. Makes it pretty simple. Right, right. Um, and, and, you know, this is something that it's kind of hard for us to go like, oh, well, this is a really good, you know, it's, it's all about storytelling. And like Bob and I, we could talk about storytelling until we're blue in the face, but this will give you as a as a new storyteller um, recently emerging into the dark ages. It will give you an idea of how to proceed forward as a storyteller and, and hopefully give you some clues as to how to run a compelling game. Now, <laughs> that's that chapter. Uh, we move into chapter four. Um, chapter four starts out and there's this whole thing about ghouls. And how ghouls are affected, like how how they're functional and effective in the Dark Ages. Um, but also it gives you uh, like a whole chapter, not a whole chapter, but like a big chunk of information about um, gargoyles. And, and it's weird because uh, for those of you going modern to Dark Ages, you're going to be like, it's, gargoyles feel really, really strange, weird. Because there's these individual powers or whatever, uh, just pump the bricks a tad and read the material. Because you can, you're going to make a mistake if you're like, "Oh, well, we know gargoyle," and you move on. Because you got to remember, at this point, the Chimera just discovered how to make gargoyles. Right. Right. Yeah. We, or rituals. Right. Right. Part that I know for date because I remember a long time ago when you looked at this in a book and you were like, "Why? Why is there a fairy cow?" <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> so the fairy cow's power is to sneak off with the best cow in the herd at night. What the crap? Right. And that's, it's they're giving you legendary creatures. Well, I think where I saw the, and I could be wrong. I could have seen it in this book, but I think where I saw it originally, um, or some of these creatures, anyways, is in the bygone bestiary. And I remember seeing the bygone bestiary and going, "Wait a minute, what game is this for?" <laughs> And then here you go. Lo and behold, fake cattle. Um, so yeah, you know what I was talking about before, it does give you, gives you a little piece of this and a little piece of that. So if you want to make your game a little bit more fantastic, 
the options are there. If you want your game to be more grounded with a sense of realism, you can ignore these. And that's pretty much what I've opted to do in 99.9% of every game I've ever had. Um, could I find a place to put these creatures in a game? Sure. Uh, do I need to? I don't know. I, I don't know that that's a game that I'm running. Um, I know. You do. <laughs> well, man, think about it. Just go with me real quick. Man, this great book. You're going to play in Dark Ages. You're not in Dark Ages now, right? So you're already in a fantasy. You're, we're in fantasy because it's role playing. Now you got to be in fantasy because we're back thousands of years or whatever. Um, and if the landscape doesn't change, if all that happens is there's more things to kill to eat and there's bigger trees and more trees. It's it's literally like, can I get back to where I have a bus I could take to get across town? I I, I don't know, Bob. You know, I am uh, I'm getting kind of tired of uh, having to fight the fairy cows all the time. Uh, how how am I supposed <laughs> to use a fairy cow in this game? Have you ever had a fairy cow hamburger? <laughs> no. I mean, they're to die for. As it I mean, turns clearly out, you haven't had fairy steak. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> um, but fine, fine. Maybe you wouldn't use the fairy cow. No. I will. But but. What about the magical weapons? Oh yeah, so that's I'm gonna I'm gonna defy the logic here, and I'm gonna say um, most people would probably assume I'd be like, why would you ever use that stuff in your game? Um, nah, I think Dark Ages, if if nowhere, no other place, Dark Ages uh, is appropriate. I think you know it's like it says in the book. Like one, you need to know your audience, right? Like yep. it, it it literally says in this book. Um, I, I, I'm hard pressed to find the actual, um, I think it's at the beginning of, uh, of this, of this actual chapter here in the book here, it actually says like, know your audience, right? That's, that's 100%. That's like the thing we've been saying a hundred thousand times in every podcast. Um, and I think if you're going to be playing dark ages, it's okay to have a little bit of the magic, the mystery, the what have you. Um, and reading about that Wayland sword, I was like, oh, that sounds fucking badass. Like, I got to admit, it sounded pretty badass when I read it. Why it's awesome is there's several of them. Right. Right. It's Wayland the Smith made these blades. And when you think of the, it's like the era of Excalibur and things like that, you're like, hmm, all right, that's pretty hardcore how that happens. But then it did the, I can't pronounce it, but the, uh, the Damascene, I'm going to try to do that. I think that's Damascus how, blades. I think, I well, think the, yeah, the Damascene blades. I think that's how it's pronounced. Right, it's different than Damascus blades, but Damascus steel, Damascus steel, all that makes some pretty badass weapons as well, and lends credence as to why the uh, that deadly warrior of the sand, terrifying, you know, the Christian knights as he came on high. That's pretty cool. Let me ask you a question: Is it any more ridiculous than like a Vohazd or a Vazd, whatever, however you pronounce that, or a war ghoul for the uninitiated? You, you said ridiculous. I, I got to promise you, the first time I ever played as a me was in the Dark Ages, and when I did, the first thing I said was, "I want to use my level three vicissitude to round up my enemies and those who oppose me to make a servant that'll protect the town." And I was overruled because they were like, "There's a Vazd." And right, you're not powerful right, enough to make one. Right. Because that's, so like that's like this old ritual. But if, if off the bat, someone's like, I'm going to create this epic monster. It's like, well, that's don't give me monster making power if I'm not to make monsters. Right. So I, I use that to justify if I'm going to make a monster or it's possible, there should be monster killing weapons. Right, right. Exactly. I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, I, 
yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. I think having something like this in kind of a modern day context doesn't make as much sense. But to me, in a dark ages sense, this is a, this is a much more superstitious and, you know, by logic, a much more quote unquote magical era as well. And I just, I, I don't see that as being a bad thing necessarily. I, I think, I think it's uh, I think it could definitely be enjoyable. Yeah. I think that's, that's basically, um, they do talk about like alchemy and divination and things of that nature. Specifically oh, juridic. Right. Divination. Right. So the other thing that I saw in here too, that I thought was kind of neat was this ashes as like a relic like yeah. ashes of, of deceased kindred. Um, and, but, uh, and also the, the splinters of the black stake they talk about too. I think those are pretty interesting as well. Um, I don't know if you have a, uh, like an actual physical copy of this book, Bob, but I do. And does yours have this in the back? Mine was robbed. <laughs> are you sure? Maybe somebody There's yanked my- it out. Holy fuck. There's a map. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you learn something new every day, right? <laughs> yeah. But I've used this book so many times. I never knew there was a map in it. <laughs> I, I needed this map. Okay. So the only way that I knew that there was a map on this in this book, because it is like sort of masterfully put in there. And like you get to the last page, you don't go further. But on the very back of it, under like what's included, it says a full color fold out map of Europe. And, you know, all of my books are pretty much bought, used secondhand, you know, in a half price books or whatever. And I'm like, there's no way the map is still in there. And I was like, holy shit, there's a glossy map. And my first instinct is like, tear it out, tear it out. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to tear it out. So if you like fold out maps, if you like monsters and swords, <laughs> this is the book for you. So I can now drool over Alexander the Great's conquested area. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, truth be told, like, you know, there's not a lot really to talk about in this book because it is a storyteller centric book, you know, very much. So they tell you as a player, like, Hey, maybe you should hold off on reading this because a lot of this stuff, the ignorance of your character is going to be important to portraying it. There's stuff you're not going to know because information and like the idea of where you live, you know, they, they talk and hear about like, um, the magical city paved in gold is just across. It's just on the other side of the horizon. Unfortunately, your peasant ass will never get there because you'll never, <laughs> you'll never leave like, like, and, and, you know, it doesn't say it that way, but basically that's what it says. Like, you're not going to get there. So ignorance and um a misunderstanding of the world is paramount to portraying your character so i would caution you the player very simply let this book be a storyteller book and when you decide you want to storytell get this book for dark ages and and i i agree agree with that mostly i will state knowing what's going on mortal wise it's because they targeted it right Mm -hmm. like you mentioned germany if you don't know the political hullabaloo right. going on in there, um, it may not help you fit your character to that area. But, you know, like most things, when you know it, when you know how the canines are grooving in it, but you don't know specifics, general idea will help you draw right. your concept for where you're at. That is very true. That is very true. Um, I, you know, I, I believe in like a certain amount of like, you know, disassociation from um, the this, this storytelling. Like, I, I feel like as a player, I never listened. Right. As a player, I always I was like, oh, storyteller stuff. Let me read this. Um, but 
I always did it because I, I was, I, I was interested in running the game. And I think that's really my point. Like if you're interested in running the game, get it and read it and consume it. If you're just looking for specific information for your character, you know, maybe go through a piecemeal. Don't read the whole book, you know, give yourself something to learn in game. That or until you're a C. Right. Hey, I listen to this podcast. <laughs> Once you send us the image or the, the, the write out of the little area we're in. So we have something to go on. You know, I, I think that that's, that's like super important to state too. And I feel like sometimes some of these things we like just assume kind of don't, not everybody assumes, but it's important as a player to communicate with your storyteller, right? If your storyteller has certain information for you, you know, they might get it out of this book or a book similar, but they'll be able to just give it to you. You know, so for me as a player, before I ever make a character, put pencil to paper or put dot to sheet, I'm always consulting with my storyteller and going like, hey, what kind of game is this? What kind of character are we looking for? Like, what's the theme? So I know what to make, right? I don't know if you're the, I I mean, I'm pretty sure you're the same way, but, you know, I think we assume everybody's like that. And it turns out that's not true. Some people just want to dive in and we know that. Right. We won't go over all the types, but I will say I agree with you. Right. Now, um. Uh, to make up for kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a shorter podcast, right? Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a smaller book. It's a storyteller driven book. So there's not a lot of stuff for us to really go over. I think next week is going to be a much different scenario. What's next? So next week we are reviewing Constantinople by night. Oh, oh, it's, <laughs> it's my favorite book. It's my favorite book in all of white wolf. Uh, is it really? It is absolutely. It's my favorite city. The way it's written, the tons of content, the conflicts, the religious overtone, uh, the ability for a player to read any section, a section of the book and make a full out like this. This is my dynasty and lineage that's been in this area forever because Istanbul was Constantinople. Why was it called Byzantine originally? There's so much history here that you could have. This could be the Dark Ages period. Right. And you never have to look at the rest of it. Well, that's cool. I've actually never cracked the book. Um, I do have a copy of it. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm still, I'm, 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 I'm still waiting for my uh, Transylvania by night. Um, it's coming in the mail, uh, coming soon to a state near you. Um, you know, we kind of city talk, book, right? Right, city book. Yeah, my favorite city book. Right, right. Yeah, just yeah, want to clarify. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it because I haven't read it. I mean, um. Yeah, it's uh, my my first deep dive into kind of like the setting of Dark Ages. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. So um, any uh, any like last statements you want to make about uh, the book of storyteller secrets, Bob? There's a background for you, Chimera, out there that says that you can purchase uh, Gargoyle, a Gargoyle Retainer. Um, there is no reason you can't use that in modern. There is no reason why you could. The Gargoyles are more powerful in the Dark Ages than they were in the modern. And if you have an ST that's willing to do it, that's a great head nod to a worthy player who's loyal to the claim. Uh, also, um, speaking of that, uh, I was very interested to to find like the the gargoyle creatures because um, I'd never like I'd played uh, you know um, played uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle and seen like razor bats and <laughs> rock cats, and I was like <laughs> the where, stone dog. Right, I'm like, where did this stuff come from? Well it's in this book. So there, there's your, your first taste of it. I don't think that it's uh, in, in a modern in any book, but uh, it's cool to finally see like where that stuff came from and see what they actually are and what they do. I remember being the modern, but they only do two, 
two of them. I think it's the Rockette and Razorbats. I think are the two that you see. Yeah, well, we'll have to look into. Uh, yeah, I have to look into that. I'm not, I'm not, someone listening will tell us because they, you know, the one know. who told you about the rules in every book uh-huh. from from Streambeam or whatever it is, Podbeam. <laughs> I may, yeah. I'm, I'm asking you to Streambeam it again. And, and look that up for us. We appreciate it. Straight made it. Uh, look, look us. Uh, look it up for us. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, the moral of the story is, guys, don't feel bad if you don't know a rule because you can play this game for years and and still. So what what I always did. <laughs> it's interesting to me. Um, if you didn't have the ability, I just always imposed a, uh, a plus two difficulty. So I'm sorry to all the players I've been fucking for all those years. <laughs> in nah, some cases, right um so yeah anyways um next up constantinople by night book of storyteller secrets um is it is it a buy or is it a pass bob it's definitely a buy it's definitely a buy yeah and uh, i think you can get it relatively inexpensive um i mean i i think i picked this one up on ebay for five or six bucks so um, i'll tell you what you have to buy you you it takes care of your campaign building yeah, it, it definitely will assist on the campaign building. So anyways, all right. Thank you guys for listening. Until next week, my name is Nathan. And I am Bob. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you like our podcast and you'd like to help support our show, consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We offer reward tiers of additional Patreon-only podcasts, t-shirts, and personalized gaming experiences. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com, for links to all of our social media, additional podcasts, and more. If you'd like to chat with us, submit a title for review, promote your gaming-related stuff or anything else you can think of email me at nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com utility muffin labs consistently rated adequate